0: We're talking this morning with Dawn Wells, and Dawn is uh, famous for her role as Mary Ann on Gilligan's Island, and she has authored a cookbook called Mary Ann's Gilligan's Island Cookbook. Tell us first of all about uh, why you put out a cookbook now, uh, you know, almost 30 years after Gilligan's Island was popular. Why now?
1: Well, there's sort of a celebration going on. This is our 30th anniversary this year. On September 24th or 26th, I forget which, it, was, it will be our 30th anniversary. We are the longest running show in the history of syndication. We passed Isle Love Lucy about four years ago. We have never been off the air since 1964, and we're being shown in 30 languages. We are a complete phenomenon, and it's sort of a celebration. People have been asking all of us sort of to do things for the last five or six years, and the, the cult has just gotten bigger. And it's, it's, it's a celebration, and it's really kind of fun. It was fun going back in my scrapbook, finding the old pictures. I mean, it's not just a cookbook. If you're a Gilligan's Island uh, fan or enthusiast, there's, there's lots of stuff in there, lots of inside stories and pictures from my scrapbook and trivia, et cetera. And then Marianne was the cook, you know, and I'm a really good cook and my mother's a good cook and I come from four generations, three generations of really wonderful uh, family recipes, etc. So my mother and I went through all our file cabinets and recipe boxes and came up with 300 out of 1,000. We had to edit so many.
0: Was there a hesitation uh, at any point in your career to put something like this together? You know, some stars want to forget the role. Uh, and maybe years later come back to it. Like we had uh, Jerry Mathers here a couple weeks ago from Leave it to Beaver. Yeah. And uh, I I have a feeling at some point he'd rather just forget that experience. Uh, Did that happen to you in your career?
1: Well, I think there's a time when you first go off the air that you want to say, you know, I can do other things. I'm an actress and I'm trained to do many other things other than Gilligan's Island. Well, that's fine, and and, um, I've done that. I've done some other shows and I've done some... uh, Stages that I'm very proud of. I've done a range of things from Noel Coward to Shakespeare to Neil Simon. But the phenomenon of Gilligan's Island being such a long-running experience, the longest-running show in the history of syndication, is a is an experience that you can't equal. And we've covered three generations of laughter and fun, and it translates into all all languages. And it's not dated because of the clothes and et cetera. I mean, it could go on another, uh, you know, another twenty years, and it would still work. And I think. That's part of the gamble. When you take a television series, you don't want it to go off the air, and you don't want people to say, I wonder who that character that played Marianne was. I mean, you want to be known for your role and, and all of that. No one's going to know it's going to go 30 years, but if you don't want that and you're afraid of that, then let somebody else play the part, because there's a lot of people that like to work.
0: So you have no problem now with uh, with saying, hey, I'm Marianne, too, right? No. You don't mind if people say no, I mean, it's hi, Marianne? Okay,
1: I'm proud of the fact that I'm part of that history. I know I can do other things. I've gone way past that, and everybody greets you with a smile and has something fun to say, and uh, that's nice. That's okay.
0: Great. What was your first cooking experience?
1: Well, as a kid, I think I did an awful lot of. Them. My mother did really most of the cooking. I watched, but uh, and and played with things. But I was never required to do any cooking. I remember a taffy pull when I was a little kid. Her teaching us to make taffy, and all my little friends coming over and doing a taffy pull. That's my first memory. And then my second memory was making her a birthday cake when I was eight. But there was no line in the recipe book that told you the difference between the frosting and the ingredients. So I put all the ingredients of the cake together and then all the ingredients of the frosting together. <laughs> and uh, this little tiny half-inch raised cake was actually very good. But
0: I know some people would probably say, you're a cook because you're so thin. And I mean, you're, you're in such beautiful shape. I saw you a couple weeks ago on Tom Snyder's TV show. I mean, you just look incredible.
1: Oh, are not you nice? Thank you.
0: How how can you possibly sample some of these recipes? The well, rich you recipes. Watch,
1: you know, and I don't always I, I don't always use cream. I substitute a skim milk, or I'll, the, I'll eat ve- vegetables and salad. There's lots of wonderful vegetables and salad. It's not all gourmet sauces and things. And I and I I watch what I eat. I, I exercise as much as I can, and I and I watch what I eat. And I I fluctuate about ten pounds back and forth, which is really tough. I'm I'm I've had a hard time being on this book tour because I'm on a plane and I'm sitting all the time. And when you're in a town for a day or two. There's no way to exercise. I mean, I don't I don't lift weights, so going down to a weight room that doesn't help. I'm not going to jog or walk in a town. I don't know where I am, yeah. so it does limit me a little bit.
0: What about, uh, there's something in the book, you talk about your special birthday cake.
1: Oh, yes. It's, my mother has made it for me every year since I was born, or since I've ate, since started eating food, and uh, I've never made it myself. She will only make it on my birthday, and wherever I am, she mails it to me in UPS. If I haven't, <laughs> if, I, if I can't get home to eat it, she makes it and sends it to me. It's wonderful. It's a brownstone cake. It's a very, very light chocolate with a mocha frosting and walnuts. It's just wonderful.
0: Yeah, so she's just made that for you wherever you go. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Can't go without my birthday cake. Now,
0: one thing, too, in the book, uh, you have a whole chapter on coconut cream pies.
1: Yeah, there's 13 of them, and the first one was my great-grandmother's. It's fabulous. They're all good. They're all little variations. Some have butterscotch, some have a different kind of crust, some have chocolate coconut, some have... Uh, crunch. Some have whipped cream, but it's. But the first one is the old-fashioned, wonderful coconut cream pie, and it happens to be my favorite pie. The producer had no idea when he was casting Marianne and making her a cook that she would be the coconut cream pie expert. But it is my favorite pie.
0: It is your favorite pie. I mean, yeah. If you went to a to a pie restaurant, to eat you'd pick coconut cream.
1: Yeah. Uh huh.
0: Isn't that something? Because everybody jokes with you about that.
1: I know. It's a favorite story. Got a coconut cream pie. <laughs>
0: Well, the book, I really enjoyed the book. It's a fun book to look Thanks. through, and uh, it, it does bring back a lot of memories. You've got a lot of really interesting pictures that I haven't seen in the other Gilligan's Island books, too. Because
1: they come from my scrapbook. See, and that's what's kind of fun, to go back with your own memories, kind of, and put it together.
0: One thing I noticed is that Tina Louise has a recipe in there, and you have a picture of her and her daughter. And my recollection is that she wasn't real cooperative with uh, with the reunion movies, and also with people who've tried to do things in the past years. So she was fairly cooperative with you.
1: Yeah, and, and it was cute because I taught Tina how to make her first Thanksgiving dinner. She was getting married, and she hadn't, uh, didn't know how to cook, and she asked if I would help. And my mother and I did a whole dress rehearsal about a month before Thanksgiving and put all the ingredients together, and she wrote it all down. And, she, and that's the recipe she gave me back was the sweet potato recipe. Oh. Um, we don't see each other very much, but we're certainly on friendly terms. She lives in New York, and, and every once in a while we find ourselves at the same public event, you know
0: yeah you know, what's the I don't want to dig uh, deep into to any bad stuff but just what's the scoop on her because I think of when I think of the talk of the show over the past 10 years or so it's that she wouldn't come back for the reunion movies she kind of snubbed everybody that's kind of the feeling that we get I
1: think truthfully she was not proud of the fact she did the show I think she'd rather not be associated with it I think she thinks of herself as a dramatic actress and that's what she does best and that's what she'd rather be known as truthfully she was wonderful in the, as a the character I thought and I think comedy's just as difficult as, as any kind of drama you could do, but I think that <clears throat> she kind of is sorry that it's lasted this long and that it's made such a connection for her, I think.
0: Yeah. We're talking with Don Wells, she's the author of Marianne's Gilligan's Island cookbook. And let me talk a little bit about your background, okay? Because sure. I, I learned some things in this book that I hadn't known. You were Miss Nevada.
1: In the Miss America pageant, yeah.
0: Wow. That's fabulous. You yeah,
1: and it was it, I always laugh and say I came from Nevada. There was only two cities. How tough could that be? But <laughs> but uh, it was it was a great experience because it provides a lot of scholarships and a lot of opportunity for young women and, and I, I I think it's a, it's a it's a fine thing.
0: Was the Miss America pageant televised then? Oh, sure. And Burt Parks was the host? Sure. And what was that like? What do you remember about that? Well, you
1: know, I remember most about it is that you spent most of the time trying to uh, rehearse for the television show here's a bunch of girls who've never done anything professionally before and you're putting on a four hour television show and you better learn how to do it and that's yes you do you meet the press a little bit and all of that but you're really rehearsing for that show an awful lot huh.
0: what was your talent?
1: I did a scene from Shakespeare from Rosalind from As You Like It where she's dressed as a boy and talking to her lover.
0: so you did drama I did drama yeah That is that is not done very often
1: no and probably was not smart, but I don't think... But
0: you're does. a singer, too, aren't you?
1: No, no, I've done one musical, but it was really a difficult chore for me.
0: Now, I thought that you uh, I thought that you went on to become like a country singer. No,
1: I've that paper, some trade paper or some newspaper or something years ago, I don't know where they got that. I lived in Nashville for a while, maybe that's why. I did one musical, maybe that's why. But <laughs> I you don't ne- know where that came from.
0: You never made a country album or anything? No, no. You sang on Gilligan's Island?
1: No, all that was dubbed.
0: Oh, come on.
1: No, everybody, except when I played Ginger when I got hit in the head and was off-key, that was me.
0: So when you did those uh, the, the musical parts on Gilligan's Island, that wasn't you?
1: No. Uh, that was all dubbed, and I don't know who dubbed it, because for years they told me it was Jackie DeShannon, and then I discovered just when we were putting this book together, it wasn't Jackie DeShannon, and I don't know who did me. When we did the Honeybees and all that kind yeah. of stuff. No. I had oh. a hard time being well,
0: on-key. You just burst a bubble here. I thought you were a singer all
1: this time. No, I'm sorry. And boy, would I like to. It's God's gift. <laughs> I was what? talking to Michael Feinstein, not very long ago, and I said, you know what, really, you cannot train somebody to be in, a big singer. I mean, I did a musical, and I learned those nine numbers, and I did their playing our song, which is quite a, quite a chore. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't come easy at all.
0: Yeah. Uh, you grew up uh, in the Reno and Las Vegas areas, I know. Uh,
1: Reno, basically. My, father and parents, my parents were divorced when I was younger, and, and my father lived in Las Vegas, but I really was raised in Reno.
0: What kind of influence did that atmosphere have on you and your career goals?
1: Oh, I don't think any. I think the influence I had was a really good family with a real emphasis on education, and Reno was a nice town to grow up in, even though the only thing I remember of being a little difficult was when I got away to college, and I'm a Stevens College graduate and very, very proud of it. It's a wonderful school, and I'm on the Board of Trustees, and we just got a new president this week. But uh, I do remember that that uh, I was surprised that things weren't open 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean I can't go to the bank on Sunday afternoon? <laughs> That was like you know I, I, when you're growing up there you don't go to the gambling casinos the people who live in Reno don't do that and you don't take advantage of all that kind of stuff it's there really for the tourists so it was it was a nice hometown
0: so you just barely, you just basically had a, a normal family life there yeah yeah who were your uh, your idols at that point when you were growing up
1: oh gosh I really don't know I had no that I mean I wasn't interested in in uh, acting you was, weren't uh, no I was I, I was on the debate team and Girl State and all of that and I was. Uh, wanted to be a ballerina, developed trick knees and couldn't continue, didn't even take any PE courses, and I really loved science. When I went to Stevens College, I was a science major, was going to major in chemistry, had kind of thought pre-med, and uh, I took some drama courses to sort of my outlet, so to speak, and my my uh, advisor, who was head of the theater department at that time, really encouraged me to uh, continue it, and I did several plays at Stevens, and when Stevens was a two-year school at that point, and when it came time to changing schools, I changed my major and picked the University of Washington, Seattle, which had a wonderful theater school, and got my BFA in drama. And it's very interesting. I'm a spokesperson for the Children's Hospital, University of Missouri, and I'm on their advisory board, and I co-host and co-produce the Children's Miracle Network telethon for them. And I have been allowed into surgery. I have a wonderful pediatrician, pediatric surgeon named Dr. Helixson, has allowed me to view some surgery. So I've been in this last two or three years a great deal. And the last time I was in there, she was operating on a little boy, and I said, you know, Dr. Helixson, if I were 18, this is what I'd be. Hmm. So it's kind of funny. I love what I'm doing. I wouldn't stop acting for anything. But it's funny that it's kind of come full circle, and I'm right to kind of back into the medicine and the science, which I find so interesting.
0: You know, if they recast Gilligan's Island today, you could be the professor. I could
1: be the professor. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> That'd be kind of neat.
0: Well, isn't that something? So and I you...
1: developed a clothing line, you know, for people who have difficulty dressing, people yeah. in nursing homes and aging and, and people with arthritis, et cetera. And, and I was, I'm really fascinated by Iowa. You know, of all the, all the states in the country, uh, you care the most about your elderly? How so? I, I don't know. In all statistics, I mean the, the, the number of nursing homes, the number of care, the kind of care. It's very interesting. And you would sort of think it would be Florida or Arizona or some place where people would go south. But statistically, you're hmm. uh, you're quite a group out there.
0: Let's talk a little bit about this clothing line because this is something that uh, I wasn't really aware of until I saw you on tours for this book and stuff. Uh, you've designed clothing to that, that it's attractive clothing for elderly people who have difficulty dressing themselves. Yes,
1: and not so not so elderly anymore. We've gone into you know, I mean, there's a lot of AIDS patients. There's a lot of younger people in wheelchairs that are active. I, for people who have difficulty in dressing, to give your sense, of self a sense of dignity and quality of life and style that seems to be taken away yeah. and, and time is such, a, such a, a factor. I had a friend whose dad was in a nursing home and he wanted to see me and he didn't want to see me in his bathrobe. He wanted to be dressed and it took the caregiver about 40 minutes to get him into his little shirt and tie and, and whatever. Well, I've designed some slacks and shirts with Velcro and flap openings and things that are easy to get in and out of and look like everybody else's clothes instead of that god awful thing that opens down the back with his and hers exactly the same. And, and I've, now, um, I've now gone with a catalog company. I was doing it totally myself, uh, doing the designing, having it manufactured, and then sending out the catalog, which is an awful lot of work and an awful lot of um, variety of focus. So I've gone with it. At the moment, I've gone with a catalog company called Enrichments. And we've just designed another line. There's, there's a new uh, new group of clothes coming out in the next few weeks. It's ten new designs. And then we're going into uh, Teenage. Hmm. There's, you know, it's real important for a teenager to feel part of the peer group and all of that. I mean, like, uh, is this
0: like for wheelchair yeah, victims and things yeah. like that? Yeah, and
1: people with, with with the MS and people with cerebral palsy and people, you know, it, it's just so hard. All they really kind of are wearing nowadays are really just sweats. Yeah. So I'm working on that for fall, and um, I, I'm having a wonderful time with it because it's such a gratifying thing, and it's so interesting to see the the fans. People will say, well, I knew Marianne would do something nice like this. <laughs> you know, think it's kind of cute. I thought if I'd have been one of those witches on a soap opera, maybe nobody would have bought the catalog.
0: <laughs> are there certain types of clothing or certain colors that look better uh, for this type of design?
1: Oh, sure. And there are certain colors that look better on people that are, a little, that are a little paler or that are that are aging a little bit on their skin. And there are certain colors that... doing. The, I, I've gotten a lot of the ideas because of my costume design. I've designed an awful lot of costumes for myself. And as an actress, you go to the character and you know what the soul of the character is, and what you wear, is it says who you are. I mean, if you're doing a play and you're playing a lawyer and you come in dressed as a hippie, it's going to take the audience a long time to really buy what you're right. saying as a lawyer. So the image of yourself is in the physical being. I'm not saying it's the most important, but it does say something And about getting better and about feeling good about yourself and about healing and about people's response to you. When you're in this flower sack like everybody else, it's like being in a prison outfit. And colors make a difference, and breathable fabrics make a difference. And, and it, it does, it's a whole psychological effect also. So, so what,
0: I, what suggestions can you give then to people for colors and fabrics? Well,
1: bright, I think bright. I mean, I, most everybody looks good in turquoise. Most everybody looks good in some kind of peach color, in some kind of pink, in certain blues. Uh, I would stay away from gray. I would stay away from beige. I would stay away from the drab olive deep colors, especially on women. I think um, a little bit of cheer and spirit in the fabric lifts your, lift your spirit about yourself. Denim is very in and, and and a nice, wonderful, durable fabric. Mm-hmm. Colors, stripes, prints, and fabrics are easier because they don't show the the, the dirt as much.
0: Yeah. What about uh, hiding that little paunch that you start to get as you well, get older? Yes,
1: and there's a style. There's a coat dress. I have a thing I call a coat dress, double-breasted dress. That is a good style on any kind of body, and that does make a difference. You don't want things that fit around the waist very much. You want a style that is loose but that looks fashionable so that you don't have to hide the tummy or, or, or anything that happens as we all get a little bit older, yeah. or if you have... You know, of uh, uh, any kind of a colostomy or any kind of incontinency, uh, some of the slacks have been designed that, that look like with well, a normal fly, but they actually are a flap that open on open on the side, and it's easy to get in and out of if you're if you're immobile or if you're using some kind of um, uh, incontinency product. Yeah. I mean, it's it's there's a lot of things that are it's it's the way of the future. We're all going to live a lot longer, and we're all going to have certain ailments. And why must you be targeted and picked out and and a little sign printed on you saying I am a right. MS uh, uh, patient. Right. You know, why do you have to say that?
0: We're talking with Don Wells, the author of Mary Ann's Gilligan's Island Cookbook and founder of Wishing Wells Collections. And Don, just the last couple of minutes, I want to talk uh, just some more Gilligan's Island stuff, just some quick sure. questions here, okay? Sure. Uh, what about the belly button thing? Is that true that you could not show your belly button in the first year? No,
1: we couldn't show it at all in any of the years. It was pre-Norman Lear. Uh, it was now, I saw it,
0: but you have a picture in the book where you have your belly button showing. I
1: was not on television, obviously.
0: Oh, just it's a, it's for the picture. picture
1: somewhere. Yeah, you, you just couldn't do it on television. It was a still taken for something, probably.
0: Huh? Was that yeah, the st- picture
1: you're seeing? Did
0: that seem str- <laughs> did that seem strange at the time?
1: No, because there was so much. You know, Tina couldn't show her cleavage. Men and women weren't husbands and wives; didn't sleep in the same bed. We always laugh and say, you know, before All in the Family, we were. It was Gilligan's Island. After All in the Family, we'd all be living in a commune, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, talk, you never know.
0: Uh, you talk a little bit in the book about your relationship with Natalie Schaefer, Uh she was a, a wonderful actress, I think, and she also, from what I've read, was much older than anybody suspected at the time. Oh, yeah. But uh, she just was a trooper. She was unbelievable in her amount of energy that she had on the show. Uh, what was special about your relationship with her?
1: Well, and Natalie was not married and did not have any children and was not really close to her family. And she was very lonesome as she got older and very alone. And at the time my mom was living in Florida and I was in California and even though my mother's here now that wouldn't make any difference but Natalie and I were like kind of a surrogate mom and daughter you know and and uh, I was very close to her many a night she was very lonesome and we talked late into the night and I saw her talked to her just about every day and saw her once a week at least and we just got closer and closer as the yeah. time went on
0: and Jim Backus of course I think he broke up the set
1: he was wonderful and he was wonderful at, at sharing his comedy and his timing a lot of actors are not as as gracious as he, and, and he was wonderful to do that.
0: You had good people to learn from, too, then.
1: I'll say. I had a wonderful experience for it being my first series, you know. Yeah. And the real first experience with any television, to any extent, I was yeah. trained. It was it was a wonderful place to be. Now you
0: have done other things since then on television. I saw you a couple of weeks ago on a rerun of Growing Pains.
1: Oh yes, I've done through three of those.
0: And you were—I mean, you were really good. And I'm not trying to sound surprised. All I want—the point I want to make—is this: very often when you see Bob Denver, like he was on Herman's Head or something this last year, yeah. when you see Bob Denver, Bob Denver is playing Bob Denver, or he's playing Gilligan. Uh, but when I see you acting in some of these things, you really are an actress. You don't act like Marianne. You are a different person.
1: Yeah, and I've done so much stage to try to, to, try to learn that. I was, one of the reasons I, I went to the theater right after Gilligan's was I was afraid if I stayed right here and tried to do uh, television, I'd be cast in that, you know, that character for another ten years. And I, and I grew. I, I, I consider myself an actress, not just Marianne at all. And I, I've not had the opportunity on film to do what I've been able to do on stage. I hope someday that happens.
0: Uh, one other question: uh, People ask you for your autograph all the time. Whose autograph would you like to get?
1: Well, I just have gotten Catherine Hepburn's, which was a joy. Oh
0: my gosh, how'd you do that?
1: Well, I had cocktails with her in Vancouver, British Columbia, just before her movie last night. Did you see it?
0: Yeah, the, t- <laughs> the movie that was on TV. Yeah, yeah. She just, she
1: just was. She's always been my idol, and I just, it was, it was a thrill for me. Um, I, I think that there, I, I, there, there's a lot of really fine talent out there. I. I there's a lot of people I'd like to meet that I haven't. I'd love to meet Dustin Hoffman. I'd love to meet uh, Pacino. I'd like to meet uh, Sean Connery. Um, Do you ever
0: get opportunities and you shy away because you're afraid of doing to them what's done to you?
1: No, I haven't seen them, no. I, I just think any performer appreciates a compliment from another performer, I think. I, mean, I, I think sometimes fans can be uh, intrusive when it's a private time, but I, I also don't think... I mean, if you aren't doing it for the public, who are you doing it for?
0: Yeah. So you don't you don't mind? See
1: you, what's the point of you doing it? Yeah.
0: So you don't mind the people who ask for the autograph?
1: No, and it's always a happy smile. I guess maybe if I played a, a mean role and they came up and slapped my face, but everybody yeah. everybody has a happy story and is happy to see me.
0: Thanks to Don Wells, the author of Marianne's Gilligan's Island Cookbook.
1: Any bookstore carries a book, and the WalMarts and the Kmart's and stuff too. I think.
0: Great.